All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Transcend with M. And I am super excited because we have a pioneer fighter for women and for minorities and for children, and she is awesome. We just recently met, but her history is amazing. And I want you to get to meet Stephen. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. <laughs> I'm really excited to have you here. And I want to put all the spotlight on you because you've done so much work through so many years. And I think it's very impressive. Um, I know you're a very humble person, but the work that you are doing is pretty, pretty outstanding. So tell us a little bit about who you are and your journey. Well, um, my name is Javon Rowe, and I am the founder of Theory, and we are on a mission to end period poverty sustainably. And we, um, I launched this actually because of my daughter. When she started her menstruation journey, I wanted her and her peers to have access to sustainable period products. Um, I wanted them to have, be better for her and for her peers. Um, it just so happened that um, I was also a commissioner for the Much West Commission on the Status of Women, and we were advocating for legislation related to women and girls. Um, and during Women's Advocacy Day at the State House, we actually heard from eighth graders teaching sixth graders how to use toilet paper as period pads in Massachusetts. And I was really shocked that period poverty was happening here in our own communities. Oftentimes, people think period poverty happens overseas, and it does. Um, 500 million people globally uh, do not have access to monthly period products, but there is a huge need here in the United States as well. So there's some statistics from like period.org that says one out of five students in the U.S. does not have access to period products. Um, one of our period, our nonprofit partners, um, Free Period, conducted a period poverty needs assessment in Massachusetts, and over 308 public and private school nurses identified over 5,000 students in need here in Massachusetts this year, right now, that can't afford period products. And so when we talk about period poverty, what does that actually mean? And it means that people don't, that there are menstruators who don't have access to, to help them when they are menstruating. And it could deter them from going to school. So they don't have access to going to school, they might miss school or they might miss work. Well, if a student misses school, then that's a leave of absence. They're missing out on the educational information that they could have learned that day. They might be getting tardies or, uh, and that might equate to not being able to graduate. And if they can't graduate, how do they become financially independent? And if you take a look at our student athletes, it's really important for them to have period products because a lot of them are dependent on scholarships to go to university. So it's important that they have access to period products so they could perform really well so that they could have a, a, a future. Um, and so period poverty isn't just an emotional, uh, it's not just an emotional uh, topic, it's really also an economic one as well. And so um, I have really spent my life literally my life trying to remove barriers for women and girls locally and globally and my passion really stemmed in high school um when i was uh traveling overseas i was in an earthquake that killed 17,000 people 
And my family and I were in the middle of that earthquake right near the epicenter. And so after surviving it, I really wanted to dedicate my life to helping people. And so I, um, that was my, the summer before my senior year. And so I started a young women's club after I was angry that boys were just grabbing girls' butts in the hallways and nobody was doing anything about it. And it was the year that I actually found out that one out of four women in the United States was in an abusive relationship, either physically or emotionally or verbally. And that statistic hasn't changed in the past 23 years, which is really horrific, right? And so um, I, I just had a really interesting journey that was always about trying to help people, in particular women and girls. And so that's a little bit about me. Wow. I cannot believe that we're still experiencing that much discrepancy in poverty, especially for young girls. Um, so, so going back into a couple of things that you share, and we'll we'll come back to the um, to the topic of you know uh, period poverty. But tell me more about your story on the earthquake. Uh, I, I did not know this, uh, and I think um it had a lot to do in shaping you who you are today and fighting for everything that you fight for so do you mind sharing a little bit of that story yeah absolutely so my parents and i we were in turkey visiting a family and it was the day that we were supposed to come back home and we were actually at a friend's house and um and it was in the middle of the night it was like three or four in the morning i woke up to the house being like I was just shaking in bed and it took me a few seconds to really realize that I was in an earthquake. And I just remember like covering my head and bracing for the, the house to fall down and thank God it didn't. But as soon as the earthquake stopped, as soon as the shaking stopped, my, I ran out of the house. I was looking for my parents and our friends and thank God everybody was fine. And we were in the yard. We were like paralyzed with fear because we just, we couldn't believe that this just happened. And it's pitch dark. So the only thing that we could see was the stars. And we would hear buildings collapsing. So we had no idea the magnitude of what just happened and how, how, how many people were affected. And I didn't know if my family was alive. I didn't, they didn't know if we were alive. And so we were just waiting for the sun to rise to then be able to drive and go and see what the damage was. And I just remember just waiting um, and just hearing these buildings collapsing. And then once the sun rose, we got in the car and we were headed to my grandmother's house. And it was just, there were buildings that looked like pancakes, like the floors. You saw all the floors just stacked on top of each other. And there was like makeshift ambulances. It was just people's trucks trying to rush people to the hospital. And it ended up killing over like 17,000 people. And so we were very that we survived, but there's this, well, you know, there's this, there was this very much this consciousness for myself of, well, I was given a second chance, don't waste it. So yeah. I really wanted to just dedicate to just helping people and being a good human being and in, in, in what spaces can I be of service? And so yeah. um, that, that's really what happened. And then um, 
sadly, there was an even larger earthquake that happened in Turkey in February. And so it was just a call to action to want to do something and help the people there, um, the survivors. And so we had period kits. We had a fundraiser for period kits. So we sent some period kits, but also within my community in North Brown, South Pearl, the schools, over nine schools, they collected donations of like blankets and, and clothing and diapers. And, and we had four, we had three minivans and uh, we rented a U-Haul uh, worth, worth of stuff because the Turkish council in Boston and Turkish airlines was collecting, don they were collecting donations to send over to Turkey. So that's, that's kind of the, the story of the earthquake. Wow. Wow. Well, we are glad that you're here. We're glad that you're safe. And mm -hmm. I cannot ever say I know how you feel because I don't. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, it is very good that there is people like you um, that are given a gift to care, right? And to give back to our communities because uh, at the end of the day, um that's what saves the day you know people like you people like others that you know they are put in situations where then they are in the position to be able to help so thank you so much for for all of that it's amazing thank you but i'm so grateful for all the people in my life who really when i ask for help they're eager to just roll up their sleeves and, and help um and especially i'm, I'm part of the north Coast junior women's club and they have been a huge, huge, huge uh, help for me uh, during this time. That's what tribes are for, right? That's exactly. why we have our tribes. That's amazing. That's amazing. So going back to the uh, period poverty, um, I'm, I'm very curious uh, to understand um, what is the approach? I know there might be a ton of girls out there that are embarrassed to talk about this. So what are we doing? Uh, how are these conversations happening? Because I know like they might not show up or they might not want to talk about it. So how are we breaking that barrier and why is so important to ask questions and what questions should we ask? Yeah, so I'm actually really excited about my children's generation because I think they are very, they're more open to uncomfortable conversations. And so the conversations that my kids have with me and my husband at dinner are not conversations I could have had with my, like, my own dad or parents. Um, and so um, I, what, one of the things that we do at Fury is we host these period paloozas or period kit making events. And I absolutely love doing these because a lot of times it's student groups that do a fundraiser and every for every $10 that's raised, we provide them with a, a, a period kit with a reusable pouch and they write inspiring messages on it. And then um, they stuff them and we donate it to a school or nonprofit in need. And so in these period paloozas, we have these conversations of what is period poverty. Um, and we have, the, you know, people have the ability to ask these questions. And one of the, my goals for this coming year is really to have more of these conversations. Um, that one, we're actually going to be hosting a period palooza with an organization where they're actually making kits for themselves. 
um, which hasn't happened. And so the conversation I'm going to be having with these girls is that they are not alone in their poverty. Um, and so it's really important for us to talk about stigma and talk about that this is a huge problem globally, that it's not just one person having this problem, that it's a lot of people. And we need to have these conversations, and I am having these conversations, and a lot of um, people, a lot of my um, partners, nonprofit partners are having conversations with legislators and business leaders and saying, look, we really need to address this problem. Um, there's the IM bill, which would mandate free menstrual products in schools, women's shelters, and women's prisons. Um, and so hopefully that could pass, but we needed to pass with funding. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't help the schools in need if it's not funded. Um, so continuing the, these conversations um, openly on social media, during these period paloozas, um, and really having these girls understand that. Oh, you were talking about, you know, passing with funding and without funding, we cannot do anything. And then that was it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's really important for us to have conversations with legislators, with business leaders, with schools, with superintendents. Really, this is, at theory, we call it a community approach to ending period poverty. And that's really what it takes, is the entire community coming together and saying enough is enough. If there's toilet paper in the bathrooms for free, there needs to be menstrual products um, for free. Um, and so really providing people with access the period products is really giving them access to dignity. It gives them access to going to school and getting educated. It gives them access to going to work and being financially independent and financially stable. Um, these are really important conversations that we need to have with students and again, with community leaders. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. So where, where, so where did you see these conversations going. Uh, I know that you know you are putting the work and in, in everything out there, but how is it seen at, at the bigger scale? I mean, is it recognized that this is actually a problem, or is it something that is just starting to they're starting to understand that it's a problem? So I think with legislators, the IM bill hasn't passed for I, I want to say over five or six years like this has gone a few rounds already so legislators are very much aware of this issue because it's being brought up particularly with math now um, they've done an exceptional job and the Massachusetts menstrual um, coalition uh, really has done a phenomenal job in trying to bring this to them um, and bring awareness to them and advocating. Um, but I will say within the business community, I think it's slowly starting to, um, these conversations are slowly, slowly starting to happen. It's for sure happening in schools. I think a lot of schools are starting to wake up and saying, yes, we need to provide free menstrual products. But I, here's what I will say is that theory, I strongly, strongly believe that there isn't one way to menstruate. Um, that's why our period kits provide choice. We actually, in our period kits, only use sustainable period products. So on average, a, a, a typical pad that I've used my, for many generations will actually decompose within like 500 years. Um, but since I launched Fury, I will only use my products. And I'll tell you, there's a huge difference in how it feels on my body 
Um, and the products we use are either 100% organic cotton or biodegradable, and they decompose within a year. Um, it just feels better on my body physically, um, and it's better for the environment. And so um, I will say that schools are not providing the choice that they, sh they should and they need to. Um, because it's really important, again, I go back to the student athletes for them to have the right period product for them to perform their best. And I, I, I believe that there needs to be options. So providing something is great, but providing some high quality products that will be best for their students, in my opinion, is, is the way to go. And so these conversations are happening in the schools. They're not happening as quickly as I want in the business community. And so what's great is Fury's been part of different incubators. Um, at Babson College, there was the Wind Lab and the Babson Summer Venture Program that Fury participated in. And right now we're part of the Vital Voices Growth Fellowship. And so we were one out of a hundred social enterprises selected in the world to be part of this phenomenal organization. And so with these, like there's been opportunities to do pitches um, and to just network within um, the entrepreneurial startup community and having these conversations and having these conversations with like CEOs and, and just raising awareness. And that's, that's really what I've been doing over the past several months, saying, hey, there's this huge problem in Massachusetts. We really need to fix this and solve this. And we, with literally with $4 million, we could end period poverty in Massachusetts. There was a two, I think there was a $2 billion um, uh, increase in the, our budget in Massachusetts. And so we have the funds. We're one of the wealthiest states. We absolutely can do this. The infrastructure is in place. So with Free Period, who is one of our nonprofit partners, and with Fury, we absolutely can end period poverty. We just need funding. Mm, amazing. So for those that, you know, are not very well aware, what can they do? Who do they need to talk to? If it's you, it's you. Um, and how can we as a community uh, support you guys? I know funding is one thing, but yeah. you know, what are other ways that we can support you all in this cause? So thank you for asking. So one of the things that we do at Fury is we also, in conjunction to the Period Blues, is we have a student sponsorship program. So individuals could sponsor a student in need. Um, and for $15 a month, we then send them um, a reusable pouch with sustainable period products. Um, typically, we work with the school nurses and the nurse identifies a student and the student selects either pads, tampons, or panty liners. And then we ship them directly to them or to the schools. Um, and so that's one way that people could support. Um, certainly, um, we offer both too. So if your school or your office wanted period products, we certainly could create a basket for you um, as well. And just keep talking about the issue. <laughs> yeah. Just keep talking about it to whoever the decision makers are in the spaces that you are at have these conversations that we really need to address this because think about how many times you 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 know you've been in a meeting and then you've gotten your period or even when you were a student actually at the conference the chief local conference of central mass there was 
this phenomenal individual who came up to me and told me that she couldn't afford period products when she was uh, a student and her mom told her to use toilet paper. And so these are issues that were happening decades ago and, and it hasn't mm-hmm. changed. And we really, really need to address this. And we have the capability to address this as a community. Right, right. Fantastic. How about donations? Like, can they do donations as well? Um, like, where can they go to do those? So if they, um, you could, again, I think the best thing to do is a student sponsorship program. I, I won't use, I'm very selective of the period products we use. So I'm very, the whole purpose of this was anything that we have at Ferry is a product I would give to my own daughter. And so um, I wholeheartedly believe that menstruators should have healthy periods. Um, And so you could certainly donate to students. And we actually had just had our first period palooza in Nigeria. So we're not just doing in Massachusetts. Our student sponsorship program is going has, is, um, we've had students in different states. Um, so we are growing. We've actually had our period kits in five different countries so far. And so um, we could host period cruises or student sponsor, sponsorship programs anywhere in the world. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, guys, um, I've got a kid for my little one. So that was eye opening because I got to learn a lot of things that I didn't know because, you know, I uh, I don't go through that anymore. So it's like, you know, I've been out of it for a little bit. <laughs> and it's like so many new things. But, you know, with a teenager now, we got to get back into it. So thank you so much for all the education that you provided. I think you opened the eyes of a lot of people. And I hope that this conversation actually does the same, you know, It is, um, you know, I come from Puerto Rico and like you said, now this new generation is more open. They talk about everything. But I remember growing up when I got my period, I thought I was going to die. Nobody had talked to me about that. Uh, I, I called my grandma because I didn't even want to call my mother. And I called my grandma, like screaming out of my lungs. And I was like, grandma, I think I'm going to die. And, you know, she had to explain everything to me. Um, And for like a day, I didn't have anything because they were scrambling to like go to the supermarket, the pharmacy, get stuff, like explain everything to me. Right. Um, So education there is just so much free education out there that we can provide and you know some of our cultures are are really conservative cultures that even though education is out there it's free it's a lot of people that have it a lot of it doesn't get to the girls that need it so very very important for for us to be a vessel of information education and making sure we're elevating voices like yours to bring this awareness to the world. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing. And I cannot wait to see how, you know, we can support you and how, you know, you continue to change the world. Just you, your tribe and everyone around you and us that want to support you. So thank you so much, Sealer. Thank you so much, Monica. I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you very much. What an honor. You are very welcome. And, you know, for those listening again, 
please check it out because it is amazing work and it's not just here it's around the world it's global so please help with the cost we really appreciate it thank you